Powerful rituals are crafted in partnership with our ancestors, gauged by the feelings in our bodies, and flexible, agile, and created in the present moment. On this week's episode of Tune In with Marcy, I'm exploring why your ancestors hold the secrets to your greatest magic. I share answers to the questions that I always get, like, uh, what herbs do I use? What crystals do I use? And how do I craft rituals? I share how to move beyond herbal and crystal correspondence lists for rituals and into your own inner authority. What does it mean to reweave lost ancestral wisdom and how to start? A personal story about crafting rituals with my own ancestors and some tiny steps you can take to start rebuilding a relationship with your ancestral magic right now. I'm Marcy Moberg, and this is Tune In with Marcy, a podcast devoted to exploring what it means to reconnect to our intuitive nature. Hey there, and welcome to Tune In with Marcy. I'm your host, intuitive coach and healer, Marcy Moberg, and I'm so glad that you're joining me today. This week, we're kicking off a multi-episode series focused on one of my favorite topics, and that's ancestors. It's a topic that is very central to my own personal path and um, personal practice. And it's also a topic that I work on a lot with my one-on-one clients that I teach on in my apprenticeship program and then touch on in some of my other programs. But it's not one that I've gone into in much depth in the podcast. So since I get a lot of questions about it and it comes up often, I thought, okay, I, I wanted to, to do a series on this, but most of all, um, I just had this intuitive sense and then checked in with them uh, that my ancestors wanted me to do a series on this. So here we are. So I want to start this episode uh, with a little bit of a story that I think is important and kind of illustrates where I'm coming from um, when it relates to ancestors and rituals. So a few months ago in an online forum that I am a part of for magical practitioners, someone asked a common series of questions that are, and when I mean common series of questions, they are questions that come up often, Uh, whether they're in the forum or they sometimes they come up in my client work, they've definitely come up in classes over the years. And this person that asked the question was, or series of questions rather, was new to magic and and ritual, new to like intuitive work. And she wanted to complete a clearing ritual. So she wanted to clear the energy in her space. And she felt stuck about how to move forward. So she asked this group that I'm a part of, in essence, you know, how, what herbs do you use? What crystals do you use? What rituals do you use? Or in other words, you know, what do you do all of you do that I should do? And these are, you know, good, important questions to ask at the beginning. And people immediately responded with lots of ideas in the comments. There were long lists of herbal correspondences and herbal correspondences, you know, use this herb for this kind of a thing, you know? So for example, rosemary is known as a herb that corresponds with protection, for example, as well as ideas of which crystals to use. So like crystal correspondences. And then some people shared like these really complex instructions on specific rituals to complete. But much of the information was kind of um, sometimes conflicting. Some people disagreed with each other, but most of all, there was just a lot of information. And 
If I were new to magic, intuitive work, rituals, I'd probably feel overwhelmed if I was the person asking these questions. Because I mean, how do you, how do you sort through a thread of 33 comments and growing? Now, I want to say all these people sharing is it's beautiful. Like when things like this happen, it's beautiful. It's very generous, but also it's overwhelming because even as an experienced practitioner myself, the information felt like a flood for my system. And as I read the comments and found myself kind of nodding along with some of the suggestions thinking, yeah, those are good ideas. Those are good ideas. I found myself pausing at some point and wondering, well, let me think about this. How can I support her? How, what would actually be the most supportive? And I thought about putting myself in her shoes as a newbie. And I wasn't really sure that this long list was actually the best way to support her. Even if she, you know, started working with this list, like where would she begin trying out one herb, one crystal? And if so, like which ones out of the 50 million ones listed? So then I reflected on my own path and I recognized that there's actually one piece of advice that no one gave me at the start of my intuitive path and that no one gave me for a very long time on my path. It's like, it was through a lot of trial and error that I kind of stumbled on what I'm going to share now and then later found um, some teachers speaking about, but it was after I'd already kind of like stumbled on it. So me finding other teachers speaking about it, like in their books or their programs was really more like validation to just help me kind of trust what I had already kind of stumbled on. That tends to be (laughs) how it happened for me in my intuitive journey. Um, and there's pros and cons to that, but at any rate, it's, this is like the one thing I wish somebody had said to me earlier, and that was do what your ancestors did. So what do I mean by that? I mean that, you know, look at what herbs did your ancestors considered sacred? What crystals, if any, did they work with? What other objects were considered sacred? So for example, maybe feathers, seeds, or other elements of nature. And what rituals did your ancestors complete to embody their intentions? So I typed my suggestion and posted the comment and then I waited and I wondered, you know, would this gentle nudge, which is in essence kind of turning her back towards herself, turning her back towards her own inner well, um, would that happen for her naturally? Would folks make the way for her to find her truth rather than just dumping their truth on her? Again, this happens all the time. I'm, you know, I myself have fallen guilty of this many times where I get excited and I like just dump a lot of information onto someone or things like that. It all, oftentimes it comes from the right place when this happens. But like when we, when we do that, when that happens for people who are newer to ritual or finding their way, it, it kind of keeps us stuck from not really trusting our own inner, inner knowing and And in this case, the the never-ending list of herbal and crystal correspondences and all the things, it didn't stop. It actually continued. I actually was, you know, posting this in service of hoping to support this person to start to kind of dive deeper inward instead of just um, waiting for someone to give them the answer because that's just not my experience of how intuition works. Maybe somebody gives you something that then sparks you back towards yourself. Ultimately, that's kind of like the goal or can help you under like name what's happening for you. 
But if it's just taking us further and further away from our, ourselves, it's not really the point. I have to say, I, I, am, I am frustrated by the intellectual heavy approach that many have overlaid onto ritual, arts, and magic, intuition, that actually keeps us away from personal intuitive knowledge, ancestral wisdom hidden in our bones, and our own personal power. Because for me, that's the beauty of ritual. That's the beauty of intuition. That's the beauty of magic is that it, it, it really can bring us into very, very deep relationship with our inner truth, our inner experience, our, um, our personal path, and not away from it. So this you know, exchange really reminded me why for so long and why I continue to be um, generally a solo practitioner and the rules, the requirements, the dogma, and... Sometimes the inflexibility that I've noticed reminds me um, of everything that I broke that like really originally broke ritual arts in the first place. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in this in this episode and what ultimately led to the ritual arts being severed in my own personal lineage. So if you go, you know, to a magical section of a bookstore or a library, you're bound to find a ton of books, which is beautiful. Like for the longest time there were no there were no books. <laughs> um, you know, there was sometimes a book that people would pass, pass, pass to other people. Um, or like a random, you know, old uh, used article that somebody might find. But there are actually a lot of books now, which is beautiful. Um, but there, you know, on those shelves, there are books full of lists, like what I witnessed in this group even entire dictionaries on the correspondences of herbs, crystals, colors, objects, and the corresponding rituals, which is beautiful and has a service and a purpose in and of itself. There are dense books with tiny rules and spells, sometimes requiring a lot of supplies and equipment. And again, while there can certainly be gems in these shelves and each of these that I'm mentioning can have their role, so often I find practitioners falling into a trap of handing over their sovereignty their inner authority, rather than getting more in tune with their own inner authority, which to me is the whole point. It's the whole point of ritual and magic and intuition is to bring us home to ourselves and to weave that deeper relationship with ourselves and then therefore to weave a deeper relationship uh, with our wider world around us. And when this happens, when we step away from our you know, inner authority, our inner sovereignty, this trend pushes practitioners out of their embodied, intuitive, creative, ritual making power and into intellectual, analytical checkbox checking, like just kind of automatic doing. It's like the, the feeling, the zhuzh, you know, uh, the good juice is just, it gets drained out. The magic leaves. When magic becomes, you know, magic and ritual just becomes rote, the magic isn't there. So, you know, don't get me wrong, books can be really amazing on our journey. I've read plenty of life-changing books that re- remain on my shelves to this day. Uh, again, I still stand by the, the joke that someone said at some point that I'm a book eater. I certainly read books. That's important to me. And also, books can be helpful when they are inspiration, not doctrine, or even provide a starting blueprint 
when we have nowhere to, like, you know, no idea where to start. But then it eventually leads us to craft our own. But if we stop at the written pages of a book, we miss the point of ritual in the first place. We miss the point of magical workings in the first place, which are to align us with our inner authority, truth, and our essence. Hey there, Marcy here. Speaking of the power of healing, I believe at the center of all healing is a reconnection to our intuition, the seat of our inner truth and authenticity. Now, the question is, how do we do that? I would say that we learn how to hear and trust our inner voice. That's really what it comes down to. And I would love to invite you to watch my free masterclass, Hear Your Inner Voice, where I explore this topic and I explore the three main obstacles to hearing our intuition and how to address them. You will walk away with practical exercises and tips that you can start implementing right away. And those three obstacles that I notice the most are self-doubt, knowing the difference between fear and intuition, and discerning our own heart's guidance. You can watch this free masterclass now at marcymoberg.com forward slash masterclass. That's marcymoberg.com forward slash masterclass. I can't wait to share with you more. Our ancestors' new ritual arts are born from the land where we live. Shaped by the trees and the plants and the animals and the elemental powers, the weather beings, big beings like mountains, even their own ancestors who actually lived on the land are buried in the land, and other animate spirits. So these relationships are what informed, shaped, created, inspired rituals. And the relationships between our ancestors and the spirit kin where they lived informed which herbs to use because it was both about how the powers that are there were guiding them on which herbs to use, including the actual plants themselves, as well as the fact that there was like very specific plants that grew on very specific, that grows even until now, right? On very specific lands. So this relationship informed which herbs they used, uh, how they used them, what rituals to complete, and if a ritual was even needed in the first place. So in other words, their intuitive relationship with the wider web of life is what births intuitive ritual wisdom, right? So I think that's important. Like <clears throat> when we look back at the source of, like if you look at books and books and books and books, um, sometimes those books and books and books are just kind of people repeating the same information that lots of other people repeated. But some of it comes from, uh, you know, lineages and traditions where that knowledge was born from the land. Um, so I think it's important to look at kind of these, these uh, look at the steps, the, the, the lineage even of a, of a ritual and ideas um, and, and understanding that they come from the land, which means that, of course, if they come from the land, then based on our ancestors being from different places, there's going to be different herbs, right? So this goes back again to this question that this person was asking, which is why I suggested what, you know, do what your ancestors do. Because there was a lot of beautiful suggestions in the list that people suggested. And people ask me this question all the time. What herb do I use for this? What, um, you know, what ritual do I use for this? And I will certainly share ideas 
and also developing a relationship with our ancestors and reweaving that ancestral wisdom is actually going to be the most potent way to craft our rituals. So what do we do in a modern world where we don't live on the land our ancestors belong to? That's certainly the case for many of us. It's the case for myself. In other words, when our lineage's relationship with the earth has been really severed, both in spirit and in place, I think that can be repaired. That's what I'm trying very hard to do in my own personal practice with my own lineages is to try to repair that. And each person's journey is completely different, but I could say that one place we can start is by reweaving our lost ancestral wisdom and following our own inner guidance. So let me talk a little bit about each of those right now. So reweaving our lost ancestral wisdom, regardless of our ancestral background, all of us come from lineages of ancestral practices and ritual herbalism and sacred, sacred objects. Uh, and for, for some of us, these kind of more animate practices, this understanding that the world is alive and has spirit in it and that, um, you know, animals and plants and trees and mountains, etc. that there's spirit in and there's animate consciousness in those. Uh, these animist practices have been maintained in our lineages for some of us. It's not the case for me, but I do know people where that is the case. And in that case, we can look to our immediate and recently deceased family members for ideas of what an ancestral ritual practice might look like, because there actually might be some tendrils of that for you. And there might be herbs that your, for example, grandmother always used for washing the floors to keep the good spirits around, or a specific potted plant that each of your family members had at the entrance of a home that served as protection. Those are just like some examples that I've seen come up in my work where people have some of these glimmers, like the, the whole lineage is not completely severed. There are either some complete pieces intact or some glimmers intact. But for many of us, which is certainly my story, the ritual arts were just really, really lost along the way and severed and dismantled and co-opted or even hidden through colonization, occupation, conflict, and trauma. And that's certainly the case even for folks who have just glimmers. Um, I don't think anyone has not been impacted, unfortunately, by these very uh, human-created, difficult structures and uh, contexts that have broken this down for us in our cultures. For my own ancestors, this severing came from a combination of witch trials in Europe that cracked down on indigenous European populations during English and Roman colonization, um, including stopping language, you know, stopping the use of local language and traditional practices, forced conversions, and more. Uh, yeah, there's just nasty history, generally, I think, and in, in unfortunately, in many, many places in the world, we just have a, we have a long history of, of nasty history, including uh, the land where I live on in the United States, which is, you know, stolen, occupied, colonized land. So, you know, I don't really believe we're here to replicate our ancestors exactly. I know that there are some people that are feel called to do that, and I think that's beautiful. 
where they're trying to replicate everything exactly as it was done. But I do believe that regardless of whether you are replicating exactly or taking inspiration, I do believe there is power in unearthing our ancestral wisdom and applying it in a modern context when it comes to ritual. And that's where our own inner guidance comes in. As our ancestral wisdom serves as inspiration, we each have our own inner knowing where our personal intuition, our soul's voice has important input along the way. We do have personal will, right? So we marry that personal will with this ancestral wisdom. And that's where I think the most potent rituals come from because the most potent rituals are crafted in partnership with our ancestors, not just heady books. They're gauged by the feeling in our bodies, not a long list of rules that we just blindly follow. They are flexible, agile, and created in the present moment. So they're created for our present context and need that's arising, not just replicated from a rigid past. So That's just my personal experience of where potent rituals can come in. And the last several years of my personal spiritual path have been really dedicated to reweaving ancestral wisdom lost in my own lineages. And this has been so um, medicine-giving. So medicine-giving. This is, you know, what I'm going to say next, this next piece is not my idea. There's lots of people that talk about this in this way, but... I agree when there are folks that say that, you know, a lot of cultural appropriation is connected to this bro- this kind of broken down ritual arts in a lot of um, people's lineages, particularly those with European ancestry, because they're trying to just grab something that their soul is longing for that's not there. And um, that doesn't have to happen. There can be a reweaving of our own ancestral lineages that may have been severed um, if we put in, you know, the intentional expiration. And it's not always easy. Some parts of that in my own journey, some parts have been um, smooth and there's lots of, you know, places where I can find information and then some places haven't been smooth. They're stickier, it's taking longer. But so far, what it's looked like to reweave ancestral wisdom lost in my own lineages has been a combination of research and reading about rituals, magic herbs, and my ancestors' relationship with nature. So, for example, not just going to the corner, the magical corner of the bookstore, and just reading any books, but specifically looking into, um, you know, some of my family comes from uh, Scandinavia, so particularly looking at the Norse tradition, looking at the the Sami indigenous people from Sweden, where we have connections, um, looking at the kind of Celtic traditions and looking at practices in Wales and Ireland. So looking specifically to those aspects where your lineages are connected. So for me, that's been researching and reading about um, Norse and Celtic um, and Sami ritual, magic, herbs, and, um, and those people's relationship with nature. How do they understand nature, both like historically what we can understand and also intuitively what I can suss out based on the pieces of information that are there. 
It has looked like a combination of conversations with family members about family history and trying to kind of just suss out if I can find any pieces of wisdom there that maybe were um, implied and hidden, but not obvious, if that makes sense. So I, how I see that happen for a lot of people is, oh yeah, whenever I would get a cut, my grandma would use such and such herb. Or whenever we got sick, she'd feel, feed us this horrible tea and this is what was in it, right? So that can be some of this beautiful um, herbal wisdom that can be uh, in our families along with rituals like oh yeah my grandma always said you know before um, before you leave the house and do xyz so I've been trying to find those pieces in my own family history so far I don't really see that there's a lot there but you know it's worth conversations and then it's also looked like researching my ancestry so taking uh, several years ago, I took an ancestral DNA test, which um, was really, really helpful because it correlated with some of the results correlated with some of the dreams I had had. And I could not, I couldn't explain um, like some of the dreams that I had of the kinds of the types of people that were showing up in my dreams that I couldn't explain because I didn't have a family history of like, where did these lineages come from? You know, I knew some of the story, but I didn't know all the story. So researching my DNA was really interesting and uh, continuing, it's been a long process and I'm continuing this long process of building a family tree, which is kind of giving name to these lineages that have been lost along the way. It's included direct relationship uh, building and communication with my ancestors, that's probably one of the biggest pieces for me, where I have built a very personal and continue to build on a personal relationship with my ancient ancestors. And I ask them for guidance about the ritual arts before completing a ritual. So sometimes I'm given very, very specific uh, instructions on how to do a ritual and it's not in books it's not in any of my history stuff I've read it's not in any of the correspondence things um, but it's a it's a ritual that comes directly from my ancestors and that's generally how I like to work the most these days so when I say do what your ancestors do <clears throat> I think pieces like researching and reading about the herbs the rituals etc conversations with family members, and then researching ancestry. I feel like all those pieces can give us like a foundation for our mind to rest on, like the intellectual part of us. But then ultimately, the intuitive part needs to lead forward. And that's where direct relationship building with our ancestors, communication with them, regular conversations, and, and collaborating with them to craft ritual, that's where like the real magic can come. Uh, my, my process has also included active dream work to mine my dreams for clues and insights and direct messages from my ancestors. There have been times where I have um, experienced an actual ritual in my dream space or they have shown me different ritual aspects. Um, I've had several dreams where my ancestors would bring a specific plant and kind of show me how that's used or how to start to build a relationship with it. So active dream work is a big part as well of my practice and and then paying attention to signs and synchronicities in my waking life that's generally how I find books so 
a lot of the most important books in kind of reweaving my ancestral wisdom are not ones that I kind of went out and searched for. It wasn't me like, you know, I don't know, searching on Google and different sites like over and over and over again, specific topics. It was more like somehow I was on the Instagram and someone shared this one thing and then I saw someone comment and then I clicked on them and then I found this book. It's kind of like more of a uh, an aspect like that or um, I'm listening to a podcast and then someone mentions it's like a book several times or just or I'm in a bookstore and then something just jumps out to me like whatever that is but it's these signs and synchronicities that then eventually lead me either to a book or even just to um, the sense sometimes if I'm really really busy my signs and synchronicities will just kind of remind me that my ancestors are trying to get in touch with me. If I've gotten a little bit too kind of lost in the mundane in life, then sometimes they'll call me in that way. Reweaving ancestral wisdom has also include, included a lot of trial and error, a lot of trial and error. So like going back to the beginning, how I was talking about how sometimes uh, suggested rituals can serve as a blueprint and inspiration some of my ritual work personally has come from that where someone might share a ritual with me and it feels uh, nourishing and supportive but then with lots of trial and error of like doing the ritual and then getting different messages from my guides then the ritual evolves and it moves into something different Um, so that's certainly I would say most of my personal practice now is really, really strongly informed by this evolution process that's been directly guided by my ancestors and or whole, you know, processes that my my ancestors just kind of shared with me directly. And that's generally how I like to invite people to approach uh, intuitive work when I'm doing work with them, whether it's one-on-one or in my programs, is I like to share, I don't, you know, I like to share some ideas that people can like, they're like pick up sticks, like some ideas that they can pick up and then try. And then that is likely going to lead them to their own wisdom. So I like to think of as when I share a ritual with someone or I share some ideas about herbs or uh, whatever the case may be, that it's there only to be a doorway for them, not doctrine. And that's, I think, really important. That's a very... If we can kind of make internally make that shift for ourselves, then we stay in our power. We can stay curious. <clears throat> we can stay in this place of creativity and trial and error. And that's how we can create our best rituals. And then lastly, of course, following intuitive gut feelings. This is like, you know, ultimately like an, an essential part of this. If, if, if I'm feeling called to do a ritual, but then the way that my mind is kind of, you know, has in its mind, my mind has in its own self this sense of how to do it, but intuitively it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel aligned. I don't go forward with that. So it has to always check out with my internal compass. What are the best rituals? I would say rituals that are rooted in our ancestral wisdom, embodied rather than an intellectual exercise. And obviously that that work. (laughs) In other words, we're able to observe uh, a marked impact, right? So that would be like you 
you feel like you need a clearing ritual and you do a clearing ritual of your space because you've been having nightmares and then the nightmares stop. Okay, that can give you feedback that, okay, look, the, this ritual worked, if that makes sense. So if you haven't already started reweaving your ancestral wisdom and ritual arts, I want to invite you to take one tiny step over the next week to start doing that. So here are some ideas that you could try on. One is uh, pick up the phone and call a family member to remind you of the herbs your grandmother used for a good luck for like good luck during celebrations. But like you're basically picking up the phone and having a conversation about uh, some of those those nuggets of ancestral wisdom. Order an ancestral DNA test if you haven't already to explore your unknown lineages through data. I always find that for most people, like a good chunk of people, we have these really amazing complex tapestries of who we are. And I believe that those ancestors literally live through us. They're like, they are us and they live through us and we are part of them. Um, That we're like in a compilation of them, not just genetically, but also kind of spirit wise. And so there can be some really interesting things that can open up after you, you do that. I know for myself, I feel like even though I had been doing some ancestry work, I feel like when I got my ancestral DNA test, and now I'm hearing like, it's interesting, I'm talking about this right now, and I'm hearing like this little ringing in my ear, which sometimes happens as like a, mm-hmm, like a, like a clear audience, like resonance of like, yes. Um, so it's like, once I did that DNA test, it, it kind of opened up, it's like it kind of paved the way for communication in a much more uh, easeful way on the spirit plane between me and my ancestors. It was quite interesting. Another example, another tiny step you could take would be just buy one book, just one book that explores the history, the folk traditions, or the practices of earlier peoples where your ancestors come from. Um, And that can be like really such a really, it can weave like um, story and rich tapestry that may not have like, and here's the ritual of what you do to clear, but it can give you a sense of the the maybe like the psyche the way people lived and again that's uh, again I see that as also a bridge to being able to communicate with our ancestors that's just my experience and the last two would be <clears throat> to write a list of what you do know about crafting rituals in your ancestry so write a list of the ancestral wisdom you already have or write a list of what you don't know about crafting rituals in your ancestor. Sometimes this alone on, on this list alone can give you clues on where to start. So if you write a list of what you know, sometimes that might give you some openings of like, wow, actually there's a lot of rich material here. There's actually a lot of rich wisdom that I haven't taken time to slow down and notice that I can draw from. Or you write a list of what you don't know and then it's like, there you go. Now you have some direction on where to start exploring. All right. So did you love this episode as much as I did creating this? I I hope so. I feel like this topic is so important. I hope you felt my passion for it come through and I hope it inspired you to start reweaving your ancestral wisdom, which I believe is like a, a step towards coming into greater relationship with our ancestors and also a step towards 
really deepening our relationship with our intuition ultimately. So if so, if you loved this episode, share this episode with one friend. That's my my lovely request for you. Just share this episode with just one friend. And one of the easiest ways to share podcast episodes is to use the share button on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. Uh, I'm sure there are other platforms that have that option, but those are the three I'm really familiar with. Because apps like these make it really easy to copy and share the link or even simply share through a direct message to your loved one. It literally takes like not even one minute. So I know that this is my personal favorite way to share podcast episodes that I love with friends and I hope you will do the same. So thank you in advance for spreading the inspiration by sharing with just one friend. Well... That's it for this week's episode. In, this, in the episodes that are ahead, I will continue this series focused on our ancestors and our relationship with them. So for now, as usual, I want to leave you with my personal mantra that being you takes courage. Thank you so much for tuning in today with me on my podcast, Tune In with Marcy. I hope you loved this episode and it enriches you as much as it has for me to create it. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would be so grateful for you to hop on over to Apple Podcasts, share your rating, and leave a review, ideally five stars. That way, more people can find this podcast, which would be wonderful. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode, and you can always learn more about me and my work at my website, www.marcymoberg.com. That's my first and last name, .com. Until next time, remember, being you takes courage. Lots of love.